0: From the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I wanna thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God.
1: Brothers and sisters in Christ, we read, Together from the living word of God. And so may we open our hearts and our minds to the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would meet us right where we find ourselves this morning, in the reading of God's word and the proclamation thereof. Our first scripture comes from Ephesians chapter 5. Hear God's word for you and for me. For once you were darkness but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. And therefore it says, Sleeper, awake. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Amen.
0: Friends, our second text uh, is the psalm for today. As we continue in our series, Songs of Sorrow, Songs of Hope, we've been looking at the psalms, and today we have the 23rd psalm. So continue to listen to God's word to you and to me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want God makes me lie down in green pastures. God leads me beside still waters. God restores my soul. God leads me in right paths for the Lord's namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, break open your word afresh to us this day so that we may be changed, that we would be different people, even to be more like Jesus the Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. One thing uh, that becomes magnified for us during times of uncertainty and times of turbulence, whether It takes place in our own personal lives or it is taking place in our collective lives what becomes clear in moments like these uh, is the importance of continuing or even starting new healthy habits and practices what I'm thinking about now are the routines I'm thinking about the daily routines, the daily habits, the the daily practices that remind us of who we want to be in this world and remind us of who God wants us to be. Habits form us, habits shape us, routine and daily practices, whether they are for our uh, spiritual, mental, emotional, or physical health, these routines And practices give intention to our lives. They give shape to our living. As the coronavirus has disrupted so many of our routines, as it has isolated us, as it has tapped into our anxieties, as it has made us more unsure and insecure as to what the future holds, it's vital that we continue To maintain. It's it's vital that we even start some new routines that keep us grounded and centered on God and, and grounded and centered on the life God is calling us to live right now in these days. Well, some of the routines that I have made sure I've continued in these strange days are are setting aside time for daily prayer and scripture reading. I've, I've kept my regular appointment with my therapist, even online. And I've made sure that we're spending quality time together as a family. In our home, we've also launched a few new habits as well. Uh, now that the boys are home uh, during the day doing their online learning, before we begin the day... Uh, We take time to do a family devotional, and maybe that's something your family has started. Maybe that's something your family or household uh, might think about. You can even include uh, friends and relatives from afar by using internet technology to to come together. In our house, Johnny, our oldest, uh, plays a hymn, and we sing along. Uh, And then we read a devotional together, and we share something that was meaningful to each one of us. It is a beautiful time. With that said, uh, you might imagine that, that this time in our household, like it is, I'm sure, with yours, is less than perfect. Frustration and anxiety are made manifest in a number of ways. Lord knows we have plenty of bad habits to break, those habits that don't make us better those habits that bring more discord than unity, those bad habits are only exacerbated by the fact that we are occupying the same space all the time. And so it takes a greater intentionality, doesn't it? It takes a greater effort in these days to lean into the good habits and to lean away from the harmful ones. Well, an additional habit that that I've I've committed to uh, in this time, is running for 30 minutes as many days as I can. Now, truth be told, I run for exercise, not for speed. Johnny and Luke, our sons, uh, however, were both in track season when all of this started. And for Johnny, uh, a junior in high school, he still has a daily program that his coaches have given him, that he should work out on his own, that he should abide by. In fact, we have two hurdles living in our dining room right now. They are part of the Tuesday and Thursday iterations of the workouts. Well, earlier in the week, Johnny asked me to run with him. He came to me and said, "'Dad, do you wanna go for a run?' Because he said in his own words, I quote, "'I have an easy run.'" I can hear the laughing through the live stream. Now an easy run for Johnny is the equivalent of my toughest run. But he asked me, and so I immediately agreed. We left the house and we headed down our street on our way to the park, and before you get to the park in our neighborhood, there's a there's a noticeable hill that you have to climb. As Johnny was effortlessly cruising along, I reached my peak speed quite early and I started to hurt all over. I was huffing and puffing and I was sweating. And just as we came to the middle of the hill and I was thinking to myself, I can't keep this up. I can't keep going. We came to the middle of the hill and we approached from the sidewalk a home of one of our neighbors. These neighbors also happened to be church members. And the two little girls that, that live there, Eleanor, a second grader, and her sister Jane, a kindergartner, they had taken sidewalk chalk earlier in the day, and they wrote in big print, we love our neighborhood. And they also wrote right next to it, be kind. We love our neighborhood and be kind. And as I read those lines as we ran by on the sidewalk, it was, it was really motivating to me, honestly. It, it reminded me of how much I'm loved. It also reminded me of who I ought to be in these days. And I realized in that moment as we continued on our run that the gifts we need the most are sometimes right under our feet. You know, Eleanor and Jane's messages didn't make me run any faster, but they did motivate me to keep moving They kept me moving one foot in front of the other up that hill. And in times like these, when we are out of breath, when we are hurting all over, perhaps when we're even thinking that we we can't keep this pace up, that perhaps we can't go on, I think it's just then that we discover a motivating word for us, a message that God speaks to us ever so clearly, a word of truth that rests and hits us right in the core of our being. Friends, that word may not be under our feet this morning, but I believe that word is right in front of our eyes. As we press on this uphill Lenten journey, in our series Songs of Sorrow, Songs of Hope, we now come to Psalm 23. It is perhaps the most famous of all the psalms in the scripture. Psalm 23 often shows up in memorial services and at, and at funerals as a word of comfort for those who are grieving, but also shows up as a word of promise for the deceased and for all of us that, that we will, as the psalmist has written, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Psalm opens with familiar words, words that most of us have memorized. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, and I want us to hear this in the right way. The Lord is my shepherd and not the government. The Lord is my shepherd and not any elected official. The Lord is my shepherd and not any clergy person. The Lord is my shepherd, not the economy. The Lord is my shepherd, not the coronavirus. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is the voice to which we give our ultimate attention and our Ultimate allegiance. This shepherd provides for us. This shepherd restores us. This shepherd heals us. This shepherd leads us in the way we ought to go. Interestingly, the, the word corona comes from the Latin word for crown or wreath. And in Roman times, the, the corona was was given to the victor in a military battle or in an athletic competition. And the coronavirus, friends, it seems like it is winning all the time. And it's winning every day. But the friend of God and the follower of Jesus Christ knows that the coronavirus is not Lord. We know that only God is God. We know that that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He is our ultimate trust, that He is our final hope. And that our hope ultimately can be found in him precisely because he has defeated death, which of course we all know is the greatest enemy we face, death itself. The word from Ephesians that was read by Katie earlier rings true because of what Christ has done. Sleeper, awake, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you God hosts a banquet, says the psalmist, in the presence of our enemies, and that includes the enemy of death. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Friends, because of what Christ has accomplished, we will dine eternally as God makes a mockery of death in our resurrection from the dead and in the guarantee of everlasting life. This sermon series frames for us the reality that that we can be singing songs of sorrow right along songs of hope. We've been saying since the beginning, even before uh, we decided not to worship together in a live way in these sacred spaces, we decided that, that we would recognize that sorrow and hope can actually occupy the same space. We acknowledge that sorrow and hope are not quarantined from each other, that sorrow and hope can breathe the same air. And we see this truth played out in Psalm 23, the beginning of verse 4, when the psalmist writes, "...even though I walk through the darkest valley." Even though I walk through the darkest valley, you see, the psalmist is wholeheartedly ready to confess that the Lord is their shepherd, but that does not mean that the darkness is obliterated. The darkness is still present. The the valley is still void of light. Enemies still lurk in the shadows. Evil is very much real. I received a a handwritten letter this past week from a woman I, I do not know. She shared in that letter in a very tender and vulnerable way how she left her church because of some very deep hurts. Unfortunately, Uh, She's not alone in this experience. The church has indeed hurt some of us. It's good to remember that no church is perfect, that our church is not perfect, that the church is filled with flawed people, and we, from time to time, we indeed hurt each other. As an aside, if the church has wounded you, if you're within the sound of my voice, and the the church has has wounded you, and, and there's a chance to reconcile and heal I strongly encourage you to take it, reach out, and, and, and to see what God might be able to make right between you and, and your church. There are times, however, when one knows that they must leave their church, and, and that was the case for this woman who wrote me. In the note, she explained that, that she works in the, in the medical world, and, and she's part of a well-known health system here in Atlanta. And after she had left her church, her work schedule actually shifted to to weekends. So uh, going to church, participating in a faith community wasn't an option for her. But as she said in the letter, that was not a problem. She wrote, because of my heartbreak and because of my grief, I was rather glad to be working on Sundays. I could step away from the church and I could start to heal. She articulated that she was in a place of real spiritual and emotional and psychological darkness. She was indeed walking in and through the darkest valley. And then one day, on her drive to work, it was a Sunday morning, right around 7.30 a.m., she tuned her radio to WSB. Of course, our service was playing from the week before, being broadcast on WSB as we have the longest continuous religious radio broadcast in the world from First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta. Week after week, she found herself on her drive to work, tuning in to our broadcast. And in this letter, she wrote of her experiences in the car, listening to worship as she went to work. She wrote, Sunday after Sunday, I began to really open my ears And you were the church that I needed. You gave me space to learn, to sing, to listen and be fed. In some mysterious way, you've held me because you held this sacred space for me. You gave me sacred space to interact with God. I've now shifted into a weekday role and have my Sundays and Saturdays back to share with my spouse and our children I'm now joining them for the more traditional, live and in-person form of church. I do not know that I would be ready for that if it not for you. Thank you for letting me be a faceless member of your congregation. Friends, I believe God was perfectly at work through our imperfect church, through our radio broadcasts, speaking directly to the heart of this woman. Of course, this story is about God. It's about the divine shepherd. It's about how God is with us in the darkness. It's about how God has not abandoned us, that God brings us comfort and protection, even in the darkest valley, that God brings us restoration, that God brings us wholeness and hope, that God heals us. One of the interesting facets of verse 6 of of Psalm 23 is the Hebrew word we translate to the English word follow. It shows up like this in the text, Surely goodness and mercy will will follow me all the days of my life. It gives us a sense that the goodness and mercy are, are all around us. But as one commentator, Robert Fisher, has noted that this Hebrew word can also be translated as the word pursue. And I think that makes a difference, right, for us, because we know that we are not living in a constant loop of mercy and goodness. We know that. There are times when mercy and goodness feel so far from us. But if you change out the word follow for the word pursue, it changes the dynamics of this line, surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. I think that's exactly what happened to this woman who wrote me. In the midst of, of darkness and in the midst of waning faith, carrying a lot of pain and uncertainty, God's mercy and goodness did not stop pursuing her, even through a radio broadcast. God's mercy and goodness were in hot pursuit of her soul. This whole time. I know there are many who feel so very far from God in these days, but God has not abandoned you. God has not forsaken you. I I know some of you feel isolated. I, I know some of you are literally quarantined. I know some of you have been diagnosed or you're being tested right now or in the, in the process of being tested for COVID-19. Some of you are experiencing homelessness and you have no place to rest, no place to use the bathroom or, or to wash your hands or to get a, a cup of water as so many public places are now closed. I know some of you have already been laid off I know some of you work in sectors where the economic outlook is absolutely dire. I know some of you now have to stay home, but your home is not a safe place for you. I know some of you were already dealing with tension in your marriage or with your parents or with your children or with your siblings. Some of you were already dealing with professional hardships professional confusion, professional questions, or, or perhaps some of you have been facing financial trials or dealing with illness or dealing with grief or, or some sort of loss, or, or maybe you've been de- dealing with the diminishing of your faith, and maybe you have mixed thoughts and mixed emotions of what you believe about yourself, about what you believe about God. And now, all of a sudden, this pandemic hits and everything is that much darker, that much harder. Even so, friends, God is in the midst of the darkness. God is in the depths with us. And as it was for the writer of that letter that was sent to me. So it is for us. God's mercy and goodness are on the move. God's mercy and and goodness that they pursue us, ready to meet us wherever we are, ready to comfort and, and restore and protect and heal. So in these hours and in these days, may we see the face of the shepherd. May we listen to his voice. May we keep listening. May we keep walking. May we keep moving up the hill or moving through the dark valley, moving forward into faith and into trust that the Lord is our shepherd, our leader, the one who is with us now and forevermore. Amen. To affirm our faith today, we use the first question from the Heidelberg Catechism. Church, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Amen.